0: everyone to the shootout, the place where we bring you the latest in the world of the Premier League and questions that bring you the thoughtful conversation to the table. I am your host, Andrew Crisp, and I'm joined here with Pocho Cuellar. How are you, Pocho?
1: Doing really well, Andrew. Uh, very happy to be here. Ready to uh, prove you wrong.
0: Oh, okay. I'm glad you're here, Pocho. So now in our first episode, we have an astonishing topic for you guys, and it does not involve title chas- chasers like Manchester City and or Liverpool. Today, we will talk about managers hired during the mid-season with Conte and Ragnick spearheading the conversation with Tottenham and Manchester United. What do you think so far with, with that going on, Pocho? Conte and Ragnick, what do you, what do you think of the, of the two... Managers coming in?
1: Well, uh, I think they're very different. Right? I think that's kind of exciting. I know that uh, when uh, Conte was like, you know, a free agent, there was a big talk about maybe United would want to get him. But because United didn't sack their coach early enough, Spurs got him. And now Ragnick's there. And like I said, Conte is a winner. He's won everywhere he's gone. He's gone through these incredible teams. He's uh, done really well. Ragnick, meanwhile, is more of like an intellectual inspiration to other coaches who himself hasn't done quite as well, right? Like Radnick hasn't coached any big teams before now. So it's very interesting to see that dynamic, this very different strategy for two teams that were struggling, had to sack their coaches, and who both have really champions ambitions, right? They both want to be in the top four. So I think it'll be interesting to see what your thoughts are on that later.
0: No, they they are definitely um, very different managers themselves um, in both style of play and positions they've had before. And you know, coming into this topic, we know there is a long list of managers who have recently started their careers with a new club. So we're not discounting them. We'll give them an honorable mention at the end with the question of the day. but Bocho and I both believe that Conte and Ragnick are, are the ones to watch, especially since they were named um, or hired uh other in in big teams like Manchester United and Tottenham
1: and you know i got two months ago two three months ago in november right so
0: yeah but, uh... yeah fa- fairly recently and i mean taking over mid season is always difficult you're inheriting a squad that you don't necessarily know uh their style of play you know you 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 don't know the players that well
1: and you don't really choose which players right like you got the squad you got right and then january becomes a chance to maybe to make some tweaks but it's not like exactly.
0: summer. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, even even if when you inherit a team, um, you have players that might not play certain positions for the formation that you want to play, you know. Uh yeah. there might be wingers that aren't necessarily good right wing backs or left mm-hmm. wing backs or you know, or full backs. So in a way you have to as a manager coming in halfway through, not only do players have to adapt to the new manager, but the manager has to adapt as well to the players he has inherited and what he can do to yeah. to make that team successful.
1: Right. And, and normally you come into a team that's been playing badly too. So like, you really got to find what are the flaws with the team right now? How do I fix them quickly to change the results?
0: Exactly. Exactly. So, that, so there's a lot of things you, you need to take into consideration. Um, but let's go ahead and start with season updates. Right now we're in a in a break, right?
1: Yeah, it's the winter break uh, kind of for the Premier League. As we all know, most European leagues take a break like in the December, Christmas, New Year's time. The Premier League has a lot of games in that time instead. It's just kind of the culture in England. Um, but uh, starting last year, they actually said, you know what, the players need a break um, sometime in the middle of the season. So uh, there's like a two-week break uh, some teams do play some games sometimes in this time like to make up games that may have been lost to COVID or other reasons. But in general, like teams get two weeks off like to kind of rest, recover, uh, and the players have actually some time off to actually go on vacations or whatever they want to do, and then come back refreshed for kind of the second half or kind of the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so season updates uh, right now, as everyone knows, Manchester City top of the league, And nine-point lead over Liverpool, although, to be fair, Liverpool do have a game in hand. So the title race is not yet completely over. Uh, City are doing really well, but theoretically Liverpool could win their game in hand, then win against City whenever they face them in the second half of the season. And out of a sudden, it's a three-point difference, and you know that's an open title chase. We'll see what happens. Uh, Chelsea are third with 47 points, just one point behind Liverpool, but they have two more games than they do, so it doesn't look too good for them. United. Just to step
0: in, though, uh, in February, Chelsea, fe- February and March, Chelsea will be losing games, so they will have future games in hand because they have other tournaments to play, and they have postponed the Premier League games. That's
1: true, that's true, but their future games in hand will not matter, right? Like Essentially, like once Liverpool gets to 24 games, as Chelsea is right now, Liverpool will probably have seven points over them, or five points if they do not do as well as expected. Right. Hmm. Chelsea are unfortunately too far behind right? they are 10 points behind City at the top and they have a game more than City so like their chances of catching to City who could be 13 points once it's all kind of equalized is just kind of impossible at this point, you don't see City losing 13 points to Chelsea over the yeah. half of the season yeah. uh, But yeah, so those are the top 3 which seem very set to be the top 3 at the end of the, of the year and then to the exciting part which is what I call that race for that 4th spot Manchester United currently there with 38 points, West Ham have 37 in fifth, Arsenal are sixth with 36, and Tottenham are seventh with 36, and you know what, even Wolves, Wolves are currently eight with 34, so all of them are kind of in there, they all have different number of games played, United have played 22, West Ham have 23, Arsenal have 21, Tottenham, and this is their big advantage, they've only played 20, so they have two games in hand over United, um, even though they are four positions behind. If they win both games in hand, they could go all the way up to fourth, right? Um, but I think these five teams are really going to be fighting up for that one singular Champions League spot and right now. And then in terms of relegation, we look at the other side. Burnley are currently bottom with 12, Watford at 14, Newcastle are with 15, and then Norwich, right outside of the relegation zone, are at 16, with Everton at 19. Then Leeds are at 22, but they seem a little bit too far off. So it kind of feels like those bottom five will be fighting to not
0: yeah, and it's also important to notice that Burnley has the least games played from anyone else in the yeah. in the league. Right. They have eighteen games played, meaning they have six games in hand to to make up. Uh, right. Yeah, on Chelsea, who has played all all games, so right. technically they're on week match twenty four. Um, and the only one who has played all 24 games is Chelsea.
1: Right. The question is, and this is always a question, I think, with postponed games, right, is if you have so many games postponed, you're going to play them in a shorter period of time. Is that actually good? Because your players are going to, you know, get more tired playing all these games. They might not be as good as you might want them to be if they have to play all these games so often, right? Like Burnley, I think maybe they would have preferred to play the games normally. Because now they have to play, right? I mean, they haven't even reached the halfway point of their season when every other yeah. team has, right? So even though they have the games in hand, it doesn't work if those games in hand are you're going to lose because the other team is better rested.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we'll it's it's going to it. be,
0: yeah, it's going to be interesting how they do. But I mean, they are very big on ties. So they might just tie everything and they can still make it, you know, <laughs> that is true. So,
1: if they so, tie, if they tie the four games that they have less than Norwich, who is a the team out of relegation, they would actually be out of relegation. So,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: so maybe that is a viable strategy,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but okay. Let's, so that's the table for now. Um, not many big updates since like we've mentioned, they are in the, in the winter break. Coming in next weekend, though, we will definitely see teams move around on the table to make for an exciting second half of the season. Uh, Moving on into our main topic, Conte, Ragnick, Manchester United, Tottenham. Who will have a better season? Both managers are very well known. They're all both very um, influential on others, very different formations, very different styles of play. And they both kind of started around the same time in, in the Premier League, no? Ragnik got hired on November 29th. Conte started uh, three weeks earlier on November 2nd. Their mm. records so far are fairly similar. Uh, seven wins, three draws, one loss for Manchester United under Ragnik. And nine wins, three draws, and four losses for Conte under... uh and to be or, fair, for, those Tottenham four losses, right?
1: three of them are against Chelsea. So if you take away Chelsea...
0: Yes. Like- In in other in other competitions. Three those are three losses in one in Premier League. Yeah, Yeah. all competitions, but two of those losses were in in the EFL, in the League Cup. In the League Cup, right. So like
1: is not I mean obviously it hurts Spurs' chances of winning a trophy because now they can't win that trophy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But overall it's not as harmful, right? Like, you know, as far as like the league is concerned, just the one loss for both.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly, and even I mean, they're they're all they're both pretty evenly matched. I mean, clean sheets. Ragnik Ragnik has four um four with Manchester United. They have twelve or, overall. Um, Tottenham has five under Conte and twelve clean sheets overall. So I mean, they're pretty evenly matched. Points per game as well. Ragnik has two point two uh points per game, and Conte has two point one per game yeah in the Premier League right In the Premier League, yes. Mm-hmm. it's just looking at the statistics it's very hard to tell what team is going to do better. you know both have been very well uh, mm. with the new captain on the ship. but who will kind of get that edge you know?
1: Well, uh, I think Conte has managed to do one very important thing with Spurs and that is that he's changed them from a team that just looked like they were going to lose every game to a team you think can win, like genuinely win games, right? I mean, under Nuno, who was the previous coach, he, he just thought he doesn't know what he's doing tactically. He doesn't know how to use Harry Kane. He doesn't know how to use Son. He's not, not able to do it, and Conte's been able to kind of fix that, you know, his disciplinary style where he makes players really focus has been very effective. And I think Conte has Spurs playing well. I don't think they're at their best, but they play uh, in a well enough way um, like I said, he had a COVID outbreak that hurt his chances. I mean, he got eliminated from the Europa Conference League because they couldn't play their game because of COVID, um, which is a bit unfair. Uh, but, you know, there really wasn't a better solution given that Premier League has so many games in, in December. So they got eliminated from that without his control. But I actually think that's a benefit to Conte because that means that uh, they all they have then for the... Back in the is the FA Cup, where they'll want to do well because, like I said, Spurs really want trophies. They haven't got one in so many years. Yeah, um,
0: since 2008.
1: Since 2008, right? I mean, that's, that's, it, it, it'll be a 14-year drought that they'll be ending. So they'll, they'll definitely want to try and at least have a chance at the FA Cup. And then the league, right? But there'll be no European competitions to distract. Uh, so players like Harry Kane, players like Son, right? players like Lucas Moura, right? I mean, all of these players that Spurs have are going to be super useful. And then right now, as of today, it looks like they're going to sign... Uh, Kulisevsky, and Betancourt from Juventus, which are going to be great signings as well. Mm-hmm. So I think Juventus will be well off in that. I mean, Conte has some players that he wants, uh, and he has that. The big problem for Conte, most of all, is that he wanted other players first, right? And during the window, they were linked with two players, two wingers, and one's called Arama Traore, who signed for Barcelona instead. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and one's
1: Luis Diaz, who signed for Liverpool instead. Uh, and so clearly the... Top choices are weren't chosen. Kulisevsky is still a great player. But I think that the truth is that as good a manager as Conte is, Spurs aren't, haven't been able to prove themselves as big a club, especially over the last two three years. Right? They haven't been able to sign stars. Any star mm-hmm. they have, they normally develop themselves. I right? think Christian Eriksen or Harry Kane and Son right now. They sign them or they ran them from their academy when they're younger. They make them really good and then they sell them. They haven't been able to really buy a star and I think until they do, they're going to really struggle to make Champions League consistently.
0: I think so too. And I mean, that what Conte is really known for is for his high intensity, isn't it? Mm. I mean, he, he did come out on the press and say uh, that the situation at, at Tottenham isn't good. You know, like the players, he, he pretty much called out the players, like these guys aren't working. They're not doing what I want them to do. They're not working the way I want them to work. And Conte is known to have high press high intensity you know wing backs mm. running up forward and then coming back down to create that five five man defense and once that defense is set they don't just sit they press and they mm. they 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 bother the uh, uh, opposition until they get the ball back and attack again and, and so in a way conte is a little bit at a harder position, I guess, because he doesn't have the players he wants. He can't get the players he wants. Adam Adam Traore would have been a fantastic player because of the high intensity and, and high yeah, for sure. uh, and the high level of play that he brings. He's so fast for such a massive player that he would have been huge. Uh, Luis Diaz, also very popular uh, in Colombia, he did fantastic in Porto and made his way into Liverpool.
1: And also just the fact that I mean, Luis Diaz is also awesome. like you mentioned, he's a high intensity player. He presses, he he actually mm. steals the ball high up the field often for Porto. So yeah. he, he was a perfect signing for Liverpool as he would have been a perfect signing for Spurs. But at the end the reason he chose Liverpool is because Liverpool right now is a much better team and a much better club than
0: Tottenham. So Coming into into Conte back again, let's not get distracted with Liverpool. Um, mm-hmm. You know, his his teams are very well off defensively. You know, that is always highlighted with Conte. Do you think Tottenham at the moment have improved their defensive back?
1: Uh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think they were so bad. I mean, part of it is that they couldn't have really been much worse. I mean, when mm-hmm. Nuno was fired, it was the reason. Even though Nuno started the season perfect, I think they won like the first three games. They were top of the league, and I think Arsenal had lost the first three games, so they were bottom of the league, and it was like the best day for Spurs fans. After that, things just collapsed. Uh, the defense wasn't stopping the goals. The offense wasn't scoring. So I think defensively, Conte really kind of set a standard of we don't concede a lot of goals, right? Like, if we're going to lose a game, we're going to lose it. with scoring conceding two, we're going to concede one. Right? We're not going to have those three goals against that type of games again. And he's made the offense able to score. Um, I think the Chelsea games aside, where I think has just been able to figure out Conte's attacking plans very effectively neutralize them. They've been able to score as well, like they've been able to create chances and to have Harry Kane participate. He's not the Harry Kane of last season who was just so good, but uh, I think Conte with time will do well. However, I don't know if he'll make the Champions League this year and the question of would Conte really want to be in the team for more than a year without being in the Champions League. I have that doubt. Um, I so- think
0: I think it I think it depends. If 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 uh Tottenham can give him not the players he wants, but at least give him a a budget that he can work with to bring players in and build a team, I think he might stay. But if he struggles with the team and with the staff in hey, I want these players, these aren't good enough, and the team is like, No, you have what you 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 got what you have. You know, we can't bring anything else. Mm -hmm. I think he'll leave. You know, that's pretty much the whole reason why he left at Inter.
1: Yeah, they they, they basically said, your star players are going to be sold because we need money. And uh, Mm -hmm. he he clearly is not one to stay if he doesn't like it. So that's why I'm scared about Spurs, because I don't know if they can really offer something to Conte that he won't be able to find. Because, I mean, think about end of the season, some teams will probably sack their coaches, some big teams who don't do well. Conte Mm -hmm. could probably find a better team that's more set up for success.
0: But where would he move next season? If he doesn't five success with Tottenham, it could be Manchester United. You know, it could be Manchester Ragnick, <laughs> Ragnick is just an interim manager until the end of the season.
1: That is that is true. So I guess we can start talking about Ragnick, right? Um, sure, let's bring so, him into the right, conversation. Hey, yeah, uh, so Ragnick. <laughs> uh, I think Ragnick's biggest problem, right? And this is the truth. right? I mean, when Ragnick was signed, people were like, "Oh man, what a great signing!" You know, this is the coach who like inspired this great <laughs> German managers like Klopp and Tuchel. Yeah. Right, like this is a Insane, right? But then you think, but if he's so good, why hasn't he like coached any big teams before? Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like before signing, he wasn't even the head coach. He was working at locomotive as like a general manager. He yeah. has coached a few teams. and you know, He would coach Leipzig for a few years and things like that. But in general, like he's not been the coach full time, and he's never coached a large side. And definitely not outside of the size of Manchester United before. So you start to have doubts, right? Like in other words, can Ragnik's style, which you know is meant to be like this high press, geiger press idea, work mm-hmm. when he has to accommodate Cristiano Ronaldo into the squad, because otherwise his team won't score goals, right? When he has to accommodate for his defense which should be really good in terms of names, not functioning as a as a unit, right? Like can Ragnik really fix the Man United problem?
0: Yeah, I think yeah, I think with Ragnik, I don't know. It's 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 difficult, right? Because he he is not known. He's not known for being a a manager, right? Mm. He's known to be behind the scenes and kind of advise here and there. You know, I mean, I think it was in Salzburg that he he's the one who brought in Haaland, isn't it? Or yeah, he's the guy who bought
1: Haaland too.
0: Yeah, exactly. So so he has kind of like he definitely has influence, but he's never been the man in the hot seat I guess and so it's interesting especially coming from lower teams like Lokomotiv, RB Leipzig, Salzburg into such a great team like uh, Manchester United. I think it's always hard to manage a team with a superstar right because in a way the superstar like Cristiano Ronaldo has to Pretty much understand you and and kind of adapt his style of play to yours, but you also need to understand his strengths and what he can do and what he maybe won't do. You know, like for example, Messi not defensive at all. You know, like he <laughs> we'll he will not he try walks back. In- Will not yeah. track back. He walks all over the pitch. He's still a fantastic player. The best in the best in the world, in my opinion. Yeah. Well,
1: i agree going to disagree. But continue.
0: All right. All right. Shut up. We'll have that discussion yeah. another so time. time, Pocho. Yeah. We'll we'll have, yeah we'll have a Ronaldo Messi discussion some hey, other time. who
1: says who I think Ronaldo is the best? I'm just saying. All right. All right, all right. All right. All right. Okay. not gonna
0: talk. We're not gonna talk. And so, but you, you know what I mean, right? And so, Pochettino or Messi against, let's say, Bayern. You need all ten defend all ten players to come back and defend. Messi doesn't do that, and it hurt Barcelona when he was in in Barcelona. And so with a Manchester United, Ronaldo definitely does press. He definitely does add pressure to the team, but he's not known for his def- defensiveness. You know?
1: Yeah. No. Well, I mean, no, I think the thing Ronaldo has is that he is what I would call a clutch mm-hmm. player who finishes yes. better than anybody else. Right. In other words. Any situation you're in, you need to have a player to shoot. No matter the place on the field, you probably want Ronaldo before anybody else to shoot from wherever it is, because he's really good at shooting. In other words, accuracy is insane. He puts power to every shot, even when he's placing shots. He's the guy you want. His heading right. I mean, he's a physical monster. Uh, but he did, right? But like he said, he doesn't have the stamina, especially now that he's you know 35, almost 36 in a month. Like he doesn't have the capability to really like be a high-press player and just run all game, tracking down the center backs, right? He's not going to do that, even if he wants to. Like, he'll, he'll, he'll do it in certain moments, but he won't do it all game because he knows that if he w- wastes energy there, he won't have the energy to sprint forward and score the goal that they need at the classroom. Yeah. Like he's kind of mad about mm-hmm. that ability. So the question for rap is, because he he is the kind of coach that has a great plan that would probably work for a lot of middle-of-the-table teams, you know, Leipzig, locomotive. Uh, you're thinking like even Borussia Dortmund, he'd probably do really well with, because every player is asked to do something, and every player knows they yeah. have to do it. But with Ronaldo, if you ask him to do it, he might still do it, but then you lose out on all of his qualities, right? You kind of lose out on the fact that Ronaldo is the best kind of player in certain areas of the field, right? Like without a doubt, right? You know, in the box, yeah. you, can, you can ask for nobody headers. better to have, yeah, him of cross, You know, crosses, you know, headers. Uh, cr- Back crashes through the ground like anything you want. His movements mm-hmm. insane, right? So it creates a difficult situation for Ragnick there with yeah. Ronaldo, which I think is actually what kind of caused Solskjaer is that he wasn't able to adapt because Ronaldo did really well with mm-hmm. Solksjöre.
0: He pretty right? much saved him.
1: Yeah, I mean, he saved him for like two additional months, uh, but I think a problem was that he wasn't able to make the rest of the team mm-hmm. work right. In other words, he either had the team work or he had Ronaldo work, and he wasn't able to do both. The main mm-hmm. challenge.
0: Yeah, well, definitely the biggest challenge, right? Like, how, how can you mend or bend those two broken systems together, right? I guess you have Ronaldo, you have mm-hmm. the team, put them together. Obviously, find a way that works. So, who will end up higher in the situation, Pocho? Who do you think is going to end up in a higher position? Right now, as we mentioned, Manchester United is fourth and Tottenham, Tottenham is seventh. But... They are two points uh in difference. Manchester United has 38 and Tottenham has 36 and man United has two games in hand and Tottenham has four games in hand. So yeah so relative 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 to each, to each other, each right? other. yes
1: Tottenham. so Tottenham has two games in hand.
0: Right? yes, relative to each other. So who's gonna end up higher? uh
1: my guess is United. I think at the end of the day quality will kind of be the decider. Like, I think is a better course than Ragnik. Um, but I think Conte not getting the players he really wanted will hurt. Like I said, is a great signing. I think is uh, a great signing. But when it all comes down to it, if Ragnik can, can actually get his team, like, playing, you know, if Varan can be healthy, mm-hmm. his defense improves a lot. Um, I just think, and also just the fact that Ronaldo, I think, uh, will be so <laughs> motivated not to play in the Europa League. <laughs> Like no one ever has before, uh. I think that's gonna push United to finish higher than Tottenham. That being said, I expect Tottenham to do quite well, and I would not be surprised to see them in the later stages of the FA Cup, and even I would not be surprised to see them
0: finish like fifth. You know, kind of pushing United it's Fair. To the end. I disagree, though. But, I disagree. Ooh,
1: ooh, I think. Tell me more.
0: I'll tell you, because Conte, I think Conte has the experience to bring teams. Back into into such a good form, you know I mean he's done it with uh, Chelsea he's done it with Italy, he's done it with Juventus, he did it with inter and and I think even though he doesn't have the team he wants he can he can teach and and show the players how to get there. I think the managerial status between Conte and ragnick is is higher with Conte and what he can do will change Tottenham the second half of the season and they will end higher. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that they will make it into the Champions League or that they're end up fourth. What I'm saying is that I think Ragnik... Yes, I think Ragnik is going (laughs) to not fail, but he's going to have a hard time. I think he's going to have a hard time Mm -hmm. uh, getting Manchester United's defense, especially some of them like Maguire... Uh, to to stop making as many mistakes as he's been making, and Conte will just kind of maybe just surpass him with the way he he manages teams. And even though he doesn't have the better team, I think he'll pass him. Alright, so you're super, oh, Pocho, pocho. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, uh... okay, Pocho. <laughs> we'll see who's right at the end of the of the of the season. You'll the give season. me. You'll for sure have to buy me a McDonald's meal or something.
1: Uh, I mean, (laughs) we'll
0: find out. We'll find (laughs) out. So let's get into it, Pucho. Give us the Fulham corner.
1: Well, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, so Fulham is the greatest team of all time. Um, It's currently, uh, unfortunately, last year we were relegated from the Premier League. But currently we're in the championship. We're having an amazing season. We, uh, this weekend, drew 1-1 with Blackpool at home after a defensive (laughs) mistake, so not our best. Uh, But we're still top of the league with a five-point lead over second, and a game in hand. And our top scorer, Alexander Mitrovic, who some of you might remember as the guy who scored the goal, who sent Portugal to the World Cup playoffs and Serbia to the actual World Cup. Uh, he's up to 28 goals for the season, and uh, the record is 31, so he's only three away and has two more months to go. So things are looking good for Fulham, and we
0: hope that continues looking moving forward. And we're back. Thank you for that Fulham corner, Pocho. Hey, it's my favorite corner. So <laughs> always you're, happy to go there. You're there often. <laughs> that may be true. <laughs> that may be true. All right. Well, as we mentioned, we're going to uh, bring up some other coaches who have recently been hired. The newest one in this list is Frank Lampard. Uh, his last position was at Chelsea, right? Or did he do something after Chelsea? I uh, yeah, was At, at Chelsea. Chelsea. Uh, he was newly hired at Everton, pretty much today or yesterday. Uh, I don't think they still have finalized mm-hmm. the contract, but I mean, they've have they've reached a verbal agreement. Um, Hockcheon. It seems quite. Yeah, likely, it yeah. seems quite likely. Like all reports are calling it. So let's just call it how we see it. Let's hope. Let's hope he doesn't backtrack and look <laughs> dumb. That'd be uh. so bad. <laughs> Uh Hodgson recently hired at Watford. Uh, Steven Gerrard was hired a little while ago at Aston Villa. Dean Smith hired a little while ago at Norwich. And Eddie Howe was hired months ago at Newcastle, which was probably the biggest one out of those, right?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I think obviously Eddie, Eddie Howe was big, obviously, because it was you know the new ownership. So I, I agree with that. Uh, but I do think Gerard has been pretty big at Aston Villa as well. I mean, he did so well at Rangers, and since he started at Aston Villa, he's been so
0: good as well. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm not discounting.
1: Plus, he's I mean, Gerard. he's Gerard.
0: Probably, yeah. probably the biggest. Maybe not the biggest, but definitely one of the biggest names on there on that list. Um, but I mean, I think the biggest one is is I mean Eddie Howe definitely because of the Newcastle being the richest club in the world. L- Lampard, yes. obviously fantastic player not didn't have that good of a spell in Chelsea as a Chelsea. manager which I mean he did fairly all right I mean it it didn't go the way yeah. he wanted it and I don't think he figured out how to man- I don't think he figured out how to manage the team at the end uh, that's why he he ended up getting sacked but I think that first season he he did all right they ended fourth and I mean he brought in new signings that eventually led Chelsea to win the Champions League next season with Tuchel, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. And let's let's not forget that when they finished fourth that first season, they couldn't sign players. So he's the player who's the one who you should really thank for developing all those stars, like Mason. Exactly, Brown, right? Like he developed the Academy and made them first team players, which I think was crucial to the
0: Champions League. Definitely hundred percent. Hodgson, famously known, seventy-four years old, has a ton of experience. Uh, with relegation teams, top tier teams, and lower tier and lower tier teams,
1: better with the not high tier teams. Yes, I mean the one high team, made, like well, I mean he he did coach Inted for a while back in the day, like I think in the nineties, and then he did coach Liverpool in like the in the, I think it was like twenty ten, twenty eleven, and he wasn't that mm-hmm. great with those two teams, but with the rest of the teams, like he's not, he's been quite yeah. good. Um, so, yeah. so
0: let's get into, into our question of the day, which actually comes in with these types of managers, uh, mainly just Hodgson Smith and Eddie Howe, because their teams, uh, Watford, Norwich and Newcastle, are in the bottom three, bottom four, bottom four um, and, uh, yeah. in the relegation zone. So will any of the new managers hired save their team from relegation? Who is it and why? Ooh, good question. So Roy Hudson, um, Dean Smith, okay. and Eddie Hap. Right. In
1: terms of just managerial quality, you would think Hudson has yes. the best chance, right? Just because he's such a good manager. I mean, he was at Crystal Palace and did really well with them. And when he first signed for Crystal Palace um, a lot of years ago, and Crystal Palace had started the season with the worst start of any team ever. Uh, like no wins after so long, and then he kept mm-hmm. them up that year. Like it was incredible. He came up in like in December, so, you know, a little earlier. But he was... He came up, he made them a very solid team, and they haven't really flirted with relegation for a while. They've been able to stay in those like 12th p- spot or above for a good while. So, And, and you see that now, right? Mr. Palace is not in the relegation because of a lot of the work that he did over the years. And, and then before that, you know, he's coached a lot of teams. He coached Fulham for a
0: while, in fact. Yeah, he did. And he saved them from relegation.
1: He saved them from relegation, and then he took us to the Europa League final. Like he was a great coach. I mean, that's why he signed for Liverpool, is because of how well he did with Fulham. Uh, So, you know, he's been very successful at keeping things up, at keeping teams up. Um, That being said, his problem really is that there aren't that many teams around him. Mm -hmm. And when you think about Eddie Howe, who I think might not be as good a coach as Hudson, but will have just so much better players, right? I mean, like Newcastle, have already been spending, and I think they'll spend the next two days while the window closes. uh, And they're going to just have a much higher quality squad. Um, than Hutchins will. So even though Hutchins, I think, will make Watford finally get a clean sheet and things like that, I think Newcastle being so good will just push Watford down um, a little bit.
0: That's a fair analysis. So you think Newcastle is going to get saved?
1: Yeah, I I do think it's possible, not likely, but I do think it's possible both Newcastle and Watford
0: are saved. Yeah, I was thinking that that too, but it has to be one. I also thought about that. I was like, both Watford and Newcastle can't can get saved like i mean um i don't know <laughs> they both can get saved but only one so you think it's newcastle that's gonna get saved yeah if, if
1: it's only one which uh run out right is the most likely i think newcastle okay to okay
0: get saved. that's fair that's fair so let's get rid of the one that i don't think will get saved is norwich uh <laughs> Dean Smith, I think he's 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 an okay manager in my eyes. I think he he did really well with Aston He Villa, you know? did very well with Aston Villa, but he had his struggles. you know he 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 always struggled without jack relish and in the end, and then they sold jack yeah, relish. and when they sold Jack relish <laughs> in the end now even when jack relish was was injured he he struggled uh in in games. And so I feel like he knows certain players and how to work around a player and make that team work around that player. And, you know, maybe he could do that with Norwich, you know, I don't know, I don't know who his favorite players at Norwich are or what he's been doing at Norwich at the moment. But if he finds a player who, who, who he can work around and, and create a team around, I, they could possibly maybe get saved, you know. They are 17th on at the moment. Right, right now, they're
1: out of the relegation zone, right? Yeah. And they did beat Watford just uh, the last game. Exactly. It was, it was the last match week. Exactly. So and that's why uh, Ramieri got fired and Arjun has a job now.
0: And so, yeah, I, I think Norwich is, is going to be definitely relegated. I don't think they're going to make it. So that leaves Eddie Howe, Newcastle, and Roy Hudson, Watford. I actually think Watford will make it. I think... Experience is going to matter here. And yes, money runs the world or whatever. And Newcastle has a lot of money right now. And they made a lot of transfer moves in January because they have the ability to do. Um, Correct. I think Roy Hudson, with his experience and the way he plays clubs and has a plan specifically, you know, like he, he comes into a club not necessarily trying to figure out which, I mean, I'm sure he does figure out a player and figure out the team and and all that. But he always has a plan in place. You know, he, he comes in and he has a set mind. All right, this is exactly what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to do it. It always works. I mean, different teams, obviously. I think this is going to be a new test for him. But I think he's going to make it. I have no reason to doubt Roy Hodgson.
1: That's true, and I, I don't either, like I said, he did so much for Fulham that I really want him to succeed. Um, I just can't look beyond Newcastle, like I said. They are just so rich, and and, like, and they've spent intelligently, like obviously they didn't get every player they wanted, but yeah, they've gotten good players in, um, so you just feel, you know what, they probably have enough to stay up, to like probably even comfortably stay up. and so the kind of like the chances for Watford or Norwich or even Burnley to stay up are all based on, one, they need to get a lot of points, and two, they need to hope one of the teams above, hell, even Everton, if they do badly with Lampard, but I would not expect that. Uh, But when one of the teams above just starts to struggle, you know, Brentford, out of a sudden, start losing games left and right. Leeds, Crystal Palace, Southampton even, like any of those teams, like, just collapse, then maybe they have a chance. But unless it happens, um, it's going to be quite difficult.
0: Yeah. It's going to be quite difficult again if if Frank Lampard does collapse with Everton, which I don't think it will. He might have a, yeah. a a difficult start, maybe, but I don't think he'll collapse.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine Everton doing worse. You know, like it feels like they did as bad as they could do with Benitez.
0: Yeah, exactly. So
1: you think you would just think they improve?
0: Whoever came in, whoever came in would improve the team for sure, for sure. Well, unfortunately, that is all the time we have for this episode. We actually ran over a little bit. There's just so much to talk about, especially with Conte and Ragnik coming in. Both very big names, both very influential uh, people. Mm-hmm. As always, we'd like to hear your takes on the topic, so let us know what you guys think. You can follow us on Twitter and give us a shout out there. It's at the shootout. Um, and so, yeah, until next time, guys. Is
1: yeah. everybody. Hope okay. you